Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Welcome to the very second Business as Unusual podcast with Dr. Darian Parker. So excited to have you here today. Um, and then we'll put this up later as well. But uh, I'm hopeful um, that people will get as much out of talking to you as I did when I was on your show. Um, are you up for introducing yourself uh, to folks? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Happy to do it. Uh, so Dr. Darian Parker, and uh, I've been in the fitness business for now 21 years. Doesn't feel like it, but it's, uh, I guess, technically, it's a pretty long time. Um, and I've served a couple different roles within this 21 years. I've been a personal trainer the entire time, um, but a fitness executive for about 15, 16 years of it. And um, I've also worked in uh, the university and career college system. So in academia with certifying personal trainers and teaching all matter of courses like exercise physiology, psychology of fitness, things of that nature. And then currently I own three different businesses, uh, two are more fitness-based consulting and management and fitness. One's personal training and the other is uh, a newer wellness enthusiast platform. So that that's hopefully in a nutshell. It wasn't too long. <laughs> no, it's no, it's great. Well, and I I know that one of the things that we'll get into a little bit more is, and part of why I clicked with you is that awareness of intersectionality, which I know is a buzzword. And at the same time, it it my personal experience is that there's a siloing that occurs, and the ways in which you bring in like fitness, like the physical, the academic, and the social, that feels so valuable to me um, as a as a person in the world because we are all those all those things. None of us is is siloed. We're not just physical or social yeah. or emotional. We're all of it. So, um, so I wanted to give people a chance to get to know you a little bit. I'll also share. I I was a runner for a long time, and my favorite running quote is "Life is short." running makes it seem longer because that was <laughs> I'd be out there going, okay, <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but like, well, how did you step from that, from, from run, you know, like, cause I was reading some of the things on your website. I'm, I'm sure there's more to it than what was there of you. Mm -hmm. That's where you kind of started in that space. And then it obviously expanded. So what was that? What was the step that took you to that expansion? I think it was always, kind of going to be that for me. I, uh, I grew up running. I like, I always loved running. Like I wouldn't say like long distance running. I wasn't necessarily into that. I think that's a lot yeah. of what running is recreational distance running. I was, but I was mm -hmm. always playing a lot of different sports growing up. And then by, I think about my ninth grade year, uh, we were living in Georgia and we were watching the Olympics. And my mom was like, you know, you're really fast. Like you should try out for like track and field. And I was like, okay. And I did. And I was, I was pretty good from the beginning. And then we ended yeah. up moving to Virginia and then uh, I became a really good track and field athlete. Then I got a scholarship to run track in college as a sprinter. And during that whole time, I always knew I wanted to be in fitness on some level. I, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be like in personal training or, or like what was the pathway. I just wanted to be involved in that in that world and so running to me was just kind of a doing that it was just a natural offshoot it's like oh i'm gonna run then i started with coaching runners i was a collegiate track and field coach for a little bit so i'm very experienced in coaching different runners and i was recently mm -hmm. on a podcast martha runs the world which was all about running and was talking to her about running culture 
the whole thing mm-hmm. was about running, which was great because I haven't talked about that in a long time. Um, yeah. But then the first job I did, which was in a faculty staff fitness center at James Madison University, that's when I fell in love with training. The first time working with people back in 2001. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think this is kind of where it's headed for me. And then that just be kind of began the explosion of stuff in my life with fitness. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can say like a good coach is such a gift for, for any, you know, cause it's so hard to assess where you need to push yourself in, in a situation. Yeah. Like have, like I, I definitely followed my own regimens that I also work with trainers at times because it was that someone outside of me who could assess like, Oh, you could go further or maybe you should not push it right now. And yeah. that, that outside perspective is so valuable. Um, I think in everything, um, but I yes. think you can notice it in the um, in something like uh, fitness much more quickly. Um, what hobby of yours do you think would most surprise folks, you know, um, probably my uh, hobby of poetry that I have. I think oh, a lot of yeah. people, it's on my website, but like mm-hmm. before I was like heavily in the business, I, I wrote several poetry books that were published and I really like doing, I don't do it as much anymore, but it's just a nice creative outlet. Um, yeah. I think also that like, I don't think that, I think sometimes fitness people can be stereotyped into like this, like ultra into the gym all the time eating a certain way, but I, I consider myself not part of that environment. Like yeah. I like to be like lay on the ground and watch TV for a long periods of time uh, to be kind of like <laughs> not move for like hours on end and stuff. Like I enjoy series and it's like, I love watching TV. I know sometimes my colleagues are like, I never watch TV. I'm like, Oh, I, I love watching TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not, like, Yeah. You'll never What's see me out your... there all the time, like working out. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, I understand the science behind it to make, to maximize it, but I don't like live gym culture and stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's an important distinction to, to understand is I, I do feel like we have a, a tendency to extremism, especially in our, you know, reporting and, 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 you know, it's, it happens, you get obsessed with things um, yeah. and recognizing that actually fitness and what you were saying, gym culture, like that's a different thing. Like you can be a fit yeah. person, you could be a trainer and you don't have to be doing this other stuff. And for some people, that's a choice for some people. Maybe they, they think that's the right. only way, but, but just recognizing there's a distinction between those. That's a, I think, thank yeah. you actually. I think that's really important to put out there. I think it's a big thing because a lot of the young people who are in fitness, they, I think they see through Instagram, all this stuff. It's like the gym life, gym culture, everybody's in the gym all the time. But I think it's a, uh, it doesn't appeal to the the reality of living, mm-hmm. I think, and being in the world and that, you know, especially when you're young, you don't have as much going on in your life. And then once you start mm-hmm. having a lot of other things come into your life, you have to learn to adjust and you can't always be in the gym all the time, you know? Right. There's other, <laughs> there's other things you have to, to go yeah. work with. Well, so one thing I asked you about uh, to, if we could take some time to talk about is the, um, the CDC uh, recently added physical inactivity to their list of pre-existing conditions, which um, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in, to hear your perspective on that. And then to talk maybe a little bit about, you know, what the possible implications of that would be. I was reading through their website and I'm like, you know, they're making recommendations. Like I'll share when my kids were in school, they didn't have recess. Like they had like 20 minutes a day of physical activity. I'm like, this is insanity. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm glad to hear that they're, you know, they're noting that it's a problem, but I'm curious. So I'm curious from that, both the specifics and then also your, your experience and observations, you know, whatever comes to mind for you. I think I have a very different idea about this than the majority of my colleagues. And yeah. I think it probably upsets some of my colleagues, but I'd like to be realistic about life. So physical activity being on that list, well, you know, so is diabetes and cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease, and those numbers are not going down. The, the, the number of people who have diabetes is not diving down because it's listed as a pre-existing condition or disease that, you know, it's preventable, and that could, it's these statistics and these things from the CDC actually don't mean much to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for the average consumer, it actually means nothing to them. 
the general population, it doesn't make the news. It doesn't no. make a real imprint in their life at all. So I think it's just talk in general. And I've t I, I've, I'm on a lot of committees and I talked to a lot of people in the higher ups and these types of things. And I've told them, I said, it's just more talking, but there's no real action yeah. associated with it. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure the value of it, honestly. It's just like there's a, there's a report about how like if everyone uh, moved 10 more minutes a day, 100,000 less people would die a year. That sounds mm -hmm. good, right? It sounds like yeah. very community, like earth, like amazing. But in the reality, I don't think most people care about that. I don't think it doesn't yeah. hit them in a way that makes everybody want to do something about it on a large scale for that. So I think it's much of the same. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Um, it's nice that it's in there, but didn't you already know that? <laughs> I mean, like being mm -hmm. physically inactive is not good for you. And also, didn't right? you already know that working out and taking care of yourself is good for you? You could line up 30 people and all 30 people will tell you, yes, it's good to be active. That doesn't mean they're going to mm -hmm. do it. For it. So right. there's a messaging problem, I feel. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. I feel like it's true. Like if you were to ask 10 people, do you think that physical activity benefits your health? They they you get varying degrees of enthusiasm around it. Yes. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, yeah but uh -huh. <laughs> but you know, most people would say yes. And and the I will so when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to be an exchange student. I lived in Europe and I lost like 15 pounds. And I was not a heavy kid, yeah. but this the fact the way we ate, the fact that like there was so much more um integrated walking in your day, like the way as a teenager, I could get around everywhere and I did not need a car. Yeah. I just biked or, you know, took the the public transit and such. And our, our social and the one thing that I see from stuff like this is when we take common sense and we codify it into a suggestion or a policy, it can then be used to inform practices. Right. Like they could say, OK, schools have to give kids some time outside or, you know, whatever. That has not been happening because we've been so fixated on academics and STEM, which I also think are important. But we like took all oh, I shouldn't say all, but many, many systems took a lot of the physical activity out to focus on, you know, without really necessarily considering the whole thing, the whole package. Right. Right. Um, so what well, what do you think would so as as a trainer and as a person who's been working in this, what do you see as the consistent barrier between people knowing and engaging in that? I think the consistent barrier is one is the message. The messaging is completely wrong and it's our fault okay. in the business. It's our <laughs> fault. Like we have, you know, you know, the whole thing's like, look yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and mm -hmm. like, maybe it's your fault. I think it's our fault. I think it's, and I think there's a growing level of deconstruction if people are honest in our business, it's like we've played a large role in that. We're a very gimmick-based business. It's a 30, 60, 90-day type of result type of thing. We've allowed that type of information and that type of influence to become uh, the majority of the message in our business. Uh, the purely aesthetic aspect of it, social media, I think, has done massive damage to fitness culture and portraying uh, a very non-realistic uh, version of what it actually means to uh, be fit or to be well. I also mm -hmm. think that we have no real definitions for health. The health definition is completely vague. Uh, you mm -hmm. can have someone who portrays online that they eat well and they're in the gym all the time, but maybe that person has really poor coping skills. They sleep horribly. They have zero environmental um, sensitivity. That's not a well person. Uh, that mm -hmm. person is good at a couple of different things with on the spectrum of it. So I think also the message needs to be, a, uh, we've dropped the ball on the message that exercise, physical activity, movement, all these things are not natural. In the current version of what we're doing, they're highly irregular to humans. And to mm -hmm. telling people, you're not lazy. You're just trying to overcome this natural instinct to not expend calories in the current version of how we're doing it. Right. This is not how we biologically and anthropology, anthropologically 
have spent our calories. We mm-hmm. hunted, right. gathered, survived, reproduced. And the other thing I think a barrier is technology is also a facilitator and a barrier. The technology mm-hmm. is creating more opportunity, but at the same time, it's making life way too convenient for people. So right. the convenience part, people will always go to the path of least resistance. And if you're making mm-hmm. life so convenient where you don't have to go out and get anything and everything can come to you, you're starting to take the living, the activity out of living. And so mm-hmm. I think we're at a, we're at this kind of weird crossroads where like everything in life is actually statistically, generally speaking, getting better. But on the other hand, we're doing, we're doing things that are making us actually less want to actually be active at the same time. So there's going to be a fork on the road here because the statistics have not changed in 30, 40 years, 15, 80% of the population exercises regularly. And even they had to adjust the exercise guidelines a few years ago to just basically just do something because nobody's mm-hmm. doing anything. <laughs> you know? right. mm-hmm. So there's, to me, there's a lot of barriers uh, for it. No, I think I, I agree. Uh, it's interesting because I, like I said, I was a runner and I was actually at the time, I would say an actual athlete, mm. which I didn't at the time define myself as that. And so then later on, I had an injury and I was trying to get, I would say, back to that level of functionality, yeah. but I didn't think of it as less athletic. So I had really unrealistic ex- expectations for what I could achieve <laughs> when it was like, <laughs> oh, I, and I had to sort of recognize like, oh, I, I actually climbed Mount Adams on a weekend with a friend without preparing for it and had no problem. Yeah. I was in really good shape. That's not going to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, all right, all right. Like that, you know, that aware, like matching the the expectation with your life, with what you can do and a motivation process. Like yeah. how do you motivate yourself? Like you stay fit. Obviously it's part of your work, but there has to be days when you're like, I really don't want to do this. I think there's a lot of days like that for most people. I mean, regardless of whether mm-hmm. they're in the business or not. I mean, and a good 12 years of my time in the business, I was running a facility and hiring trainers all the time. And trainers struggle with yeah. being active regularly and and doing something that they know scientifically, I need to do these things to cause a change, overload. I need to sleep better. I need to eat you know, eat well, all these things. Trainers struggle with that. People in the business struggle with that. Um, but I think, you know, for me personally, I think my time as an athlete, a collegiate athlete was like the ignition for me. Like it was, I got, I got so used to training literally every day for four years that I think for me, it feels awkward not to. So mm-hmm. it just became part of my life, my lifestyle, where I, I, I feel physically not well if I don't train over time, mm-hmm. almost like it's just high for me. And yeah. when I work out, I feel a lot better. And so, but I've always loved working hard. Like I don't, I'm not really um, great at like kind of slowing down. Like when I work out, mm-hmm. I, I want it to be punishing. Like, I, and I recognize that's not normal. <laughs> I'm like, I was, well, it's not know, everybody. It's like, not it's everybody. It's, <laughs> it's what, it's generally not the human condition. It's the avoidance yeah. of pain and discomfort. I actually like that. I like to move towards that because I think it's important to test yourself on a weekly basis for, and I I just expand your rib cage. You know, some people don't expand the rib cage where they're out of breath at all on a weekly basis. That's actually really important for the small intercostal muscles in your rib cage, which are atrophying. If you're not actually using, you know, these deep Mm -hmm. breaths and things of that nature. So, um, for me, I would say I just have a different, it's kind of like always been part of my life. My, my uh, family, they've been athletes, was working out when I was like 12 with my dad. It was, it's just like part of my life growing up. So it was easy to kind of transition it for me personally in my life. Now that's a great example. I mean, that I think that something you told me when we were on, when I was on your show is that Mm -hmm. there's a perception of fitness in our culture and in our communities that is not actually reflective of the level of like participation in fitness activities, uh, that that there's a much lower level of like, of actual people out there doing, uh, active engagement. I mean, I guess officially tracked, right. Yeah. 
So you is that, am I remembering that correctly? And, and if so, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think that um, it's also back to the messaging aspect of that. I think we just have really poor definitions of what it means to move, what it means to be mm -hmm. physically active and what it means to exercise. I think like, like let's say like 25% of the population, according to the CDC, is physically inactive, like no exercise, anything. Okay, if that person mm -hmm. started doing any type of regular movement, it would be considered exercise because it's a stimulus they're not used to doing. But if they mm -hmm. continue on doing that, but they don't change any of the variables, you know, duration, uh, distance, the, the intensity, then it becomes physical activity, which in itself is great. I mean, it's great. You're doing something regularly to increase, you know, um, all of the different systems in your body, move things around. That's great. But you're not exercising if you're not providing a stimulus that's greater than what the body's used to. And this is generally the problem. I, I don't want to say it's a problem because if you're doing physical activity regularly, great, good for you. That's great. Mm -hmm. you're, you're moving your body regularly. You're being physically active. But if you're frustrated because you're not improving, that's because you've all the parameters are the same. You've mm -hmm. not created a stimulus to create a change or you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well. There's all these variables that come into play to actually have peak performance. You know, right. it's like when people say, I'm an athlete. I'm like, I don't know. I think we need to like have a better definition of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm all about definitions. I'm like, what does this mean? And I think that's what gets us in trouble in our society at large is we have really poor definitions of what it means to be uh, this or that or American, what this means to be an athlete, what this means to be have faith. Like we just have poor definitions. And that usually riles other people up because they have different definitions and nobody's explained what a definition of a thing is that we're doing. And exercise, mm -hmm. physical activity is one of the poorest ones because someone could be, let's say, I'm going to help you with your movement. I'm a movement specialist. What does that actually mean? Like, mm -hmm. am I going to help you just to move around your house better and just actually be in, not be inactive? Or are, am I an exercise specialist, physical activity? You need to tell people what they're actually going to be getting into. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think that shared language is actually really, it's important to establish that. And what you were saying earlier, we don't really have a great definition of what health is. And, no. and a lot of times it comes across, like I have a, a close friend who's in the military and he said, you know, ultimately in the military, your, your, um, your physical fitness is like the thing that matters. Yeah. Right. And he said, but so many people have a genetic predisposition to being fit that, they're, and he's like, ultimately, in a lot of ways, it ends up pri privileging that genetic disposition, because as you age, like for some people, even in an active scenario, some of that's going to shift a little bit. And and he, and he said, like, it's really, it's like rough to watch it with some soldiers they are really good, but they don't have that. So they like eventually end up deciding, oops, this is too. And so we don't have that. We don't have the distinction around that either. What would you if you were going to give a definition of health what would you can i put you on the spot for that yes please i will answer anything on the spot okay. I, I enjoy that <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like preparing on this is like the one area i don't like preparing in my life i just like the hey, letter you know, roll you got something <laughs> right yeah yeah i would say that um the definition of health it's a multifactorial wheel encompassing what it means to be well and so health is creating base and, and it's, it's kind of tricky because what are the criteria for being healthy in this wheel? So physical health, social health, emotional health, intellectual health, spiritual, environmental, occupational. What are, I think having a good, again, we're saying what is good and all those things, right. but having a positive direction or continuous uh, movement towards the apex of each of those areas of your life you're starting to become healthy. But if it's like, someone may say to me, well, I'm healthy. I have a really uh, great exercise routine and I am, I am, I eat plant-based. I mean, if I say, well, how many hours a night do you sleep? And they say, well, like, I'm not a good sleeper. I sleep four hours a night. I'm like, you're not healthy. Like mm -hmm. that is a hugely big deficiency in your health. Or right. do you, what do you, your occupational health? Oh, I hate my job. Okay. This is not health. Okay. So 
are you moving towards a better situation on that? So I think in society, we have essentially equated health with almost like absence of disease or being fit and eating well. Pretty much mm -hmm. that's it. And uh, we need to get rid of that definition because those are just a few components of health. It doesn't encompass the entire aspect. And you'll never be perfect in all of these components. But are you actually taking steps to sleep better, to eat, eat well, exercise, mm -hmm. or be physically active, uh, to have some level of spiritual component in your life, to be sensitive to some environmental-based uh, things in your life? If you're not doing making steps towards any of those things really, but you're really great at one thing. I don't, I don't consider that person to be a healthy person. Yeah. yeah I think I like that just combination of notice what you're doing and continue to move in a direction that benefits your, um, I guess maybe fulfillment slash, <laughs> you know, yeah. capacity and resources. I'm going to try to think of, you know, when I first, I would say made an intentional shift towards health, my first goal was, and you're going to laugh probably was to my, my statement was I'm going to make better choices. That's where I started. Mm -hmm. And my okay. first better choice was I'm going to eat less, not none, but less raw cookie dough this week. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was in my, it was in my early twenties and I would like, yeah. I used to make raw cookie dough for my friends would come over and I'd be like, let's have cookie dough for lunch or for a snack or whatever. <laughs> I was like, not lunch. I didn't do that. I didn't go that far. And I was like, I need less, you know? And then I slowly through time, I'll see, I, now I don't even need it at all. I mean, it's been a while, but, yeah. um, and it was just, but I started with better choices. Like I just, you know, how can I make whatever's happening right now into a better choice? You know, whatever right. that is. And it was a very helpful uh, approach for me to take. Like some folks I think do well with sort of like rigid and dramatic, right. <laughs> but I had, a, I had a goal. Like I would like to be, you know, eating a more balanced diet and I'd like to eat less sugar to start of my first better choice is this one thing. And then, uh, you know, and it worked for me, but for some people, I think there's like a, they like, you know, they need some extreme, but I think what you're talking about that if you don't have a goal and you don't know what your goal is, then how can you, how can you work towards it? And there's a lot yeah. of um, the diet culture stuff can be really challenging, especially my understanding is that uh, they've shown that if you're, if you're doing things like fitness training, because you're wanting to look a certain way, it's not often as motivating as if of uh, some attachment to your health is the underlying like piece. But I don't know if that's true. Well, I mean, what, exercising or being physically active to look good is probably one of the worst things you could do. Um, yeah. Because you'll never be satisfied with how you mm -hmm. look. You'll always want to do more and yeah. more. And you're like, well, maybe just a little bit more of this if I do this and that. Um, but tying it to health-based things is good as long as there's some definition of what does that actually mean? It's like mm -hmm. if somebody like, man, people always come to me like, well, this week I'm going to eat clean. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Like, but right. it's such a catchphrase in our culture. I'm eating clean or, you know, I'm, I'm eating plant-based or, okay, well, I'm a carnivore and stuff. I just think <laughs> it's just like, what happened to like, the middle ground and everything or, and not yeah. being so extreme, like, yes, generally eating more plants is, we know through a lot of research is better, but we also know that some people don't do well on plant-based diets. We mm -hmm. can't have this extreme view that it's great for everyone. We're all biologically very different in terms of how our body chemistry is and what connects to us and what works for us. Some people on the other side do really well with a, uh, carnivore based diet and some people do horrible on it but we can't have these both sides saying our side is the only thing that works or that right that's crazy to me that, that so you know the diversity of people's uh gut biome really well i mean how do you know i mean it's yeah. like Not, I don't know. <laughs> how do you so know? how do you how do you navigate that professionally because i feel like you i, I mean every industry has its um uh gurus i guess or or extreme uh you know sort of yeah. extreme like this is how it is how do you as a trainer and as someone who runs a, both an online network and mm -hmm. uh, all of these different information places navigate the snake oil guru <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah. um 
tendency. I mean, because it's not just that people step into that role. It's that lots of folks seek that out. They want someone to just yeah. tell them. And sometimes I want that. I want to, you know, I want someone to say, this is what's going to work for you. So I could done up one thing I don't have to think about. Yeah. And it's just not real. I just, I was actually in a very large conversation about this uh, with one of my clients who's a um, pretty well-known psychologist. And we were just talking about our different businesses. And we were talking about how, like, it's really important to decipher about the snake oil person type of thing. You know, it's because it's harder now because maybe very long time ago, this person would go from town to town and it would be a big effort to, you know, people would gather around and, and then start believing in it. And it would be a hard process, kind of a door knocking on doors type of process. That whole process mm -hmm. now is completely on anabolic steroids uh, because of the internet. It's so much easier to do that. But I think one of the things is you can look at some key language Okay, is really important. Yeah, I mean, this is the definition language thing with me. And I think okay, that's yeah. because I have a lot of education around this. So I, I think it's, words are really important in definition. But if somebody is saying, hey, these are the best exercises, that is not true. Uh, the best exercise, I don't even know what that means. Like right. the word best implies that these are the only. These are just mm -hmm. like the ultimate things to get, you know, your glutes in better shape, your quads, whatever. But the, the science, the reality of it is, is that you could use almost anything that applies a load, a significant load onto your body, and something will change over mm -hmm. time. So you can say it's this, ex this exercise, is this the only way to get things done? That is completely false. But you're, I get it why people do it, because they're trying to create this sense of like, see, come to me. I know the secret. I right. know how to get you in the best shape ever. And these are, you only have to do three things. It's great marketing, but it's, it's false advertisement. So words like only best uh, are really like, those are snake oily because those, mm -hmm. those aren't true. The other thing is um, you need to spend some time actually looking at who is putting this stuff out there. What is their actual background? If they literally have no background, no education, you should you should run away very quickly. Uh, they literally have <laughs> Get no your idea. Get running away. <laughs> Just because they look good. The thing is, yeah. you can't you can't know their reality, especially online. If somebody's posting a bunch of pictures of things, you can't know if it's real or not. It's just like we know now that, and somebody, not everyone, all these people are posting pictures of themselves on private jets. But we know that there's companies that rent hangars that have fake private jets in them. Mm -hmm. right. So, and you can put up a, um, a toilet, the ring of the toilet up to simulate it being, uh, the window on a um, airplane, right? A lot of people <laughs> okay. are trying to trick people to thinking that they're doing something that they're not for that. Yeah. So it's just that it's become all late night infomercials. It's just pervasive now. So it's really, you kind of have to take some time to really be like, okay, I need to think about this. I mean, would you go and, you know, have somebody take care of your car. And it was like in some weird place and it looked sketchy and there was no signage. And it was just kind of like, wow, this uh, I'm going to let this person take care of my car. You'd probably be like, no, what's a reputable place to change my tires or whatever like that. We need to start looking at influencer things in, in that way. They're just yeah. better at trying to cover it up and make it seem like they know what they're doing. In reality, mm -hmm. it's just a false representation of what it is, you know. That's a really good point. I, I've often used for my just myself, my the car analogy of, you know, I would not expect my car to run if I didn't put gas in it and change the oil and get it checked up. So I, why would I expect me <laughs> to run no. if I don't do that? Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't put, you know, juice in the tank, right? Like I would be so it's same thing. Like I need to put things in my body that are that are going to benefit it. So I, I really relate yeah. to that. Um, so you, one of your, you said one of your, uh, favorite statements thing, all we have is now, uh, tell, tell me about that. I love that. I say this to my friends all the time when we hang out, I'm like, the only thing that matters is now, or all we have is now. Like it doesn't matter what else is going on. What do you think is going to happen in the future? What happened in the past? The only thing that really matters is what's happening now for that. So just like, just be in the present with it. And, and also don't be too hard on yourself about, you know, where things may be going or may not going. I mean, I, I haven't been on earth that long, 43 years, but 
feels like I've lived multiple lifetimes within it with all the things that I've been working on. And really, a lot of the good things that happen in life, I feel are just unexpected. A lot of the people you meet, a lot of the situations you get in, it just feels like it's not like you planned it. It just, they're unexpected. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you're in a situation, you're hanging out with some friends or you're doing whatever you're doing and it's positive, just enjoy it. Like, don't think, oh, should I have done this yesterday? Or should I be here? Just be in the moment and enjoy it. Just have a great time. It's worth the memories and create amazing memories more than anything else. And I do that like on vacation with my family. Like I rarely take pictures when I go on vacation, mm. rarely. And I told them we were in San Diego, my wife, and my daughter, and I said, remember, no pictures. This, I want this just to exist in our mind primarily. Mm. Like it's for us. This isn't for us to send to a bunch of other people. Let's let this exist just for us in our mind. All we have is right now. We're the ones experiencing this. Yeah, that's, I feel that I, um, I feel that I know when I was the advice, I actually overheard my cousin talking to my grandma about having a baby when I was a little, yeah. like 11 or 12. And my cousin was talking about appreciating the moments. She was like, you know, my first kid, when they wouldn't sleep through the night, I would get very stressed out. And she's like, and then I realized that time's over. And I, for whatever reason, that stuck with me. And so I would always, you know, when my kids were little, I just really worked on like, yeah, no, I don't really want to get up in the middle of the night 14 yeah. times, but at some point <laughs> I'm not going to. And the truth is like, I, I'm not saying I miss the like sleep deprivation, but there was a sweetness to some yeah. of those times that because I really uh, embraced like this is what's happening and I'm not going to get stressed out about it Yeah. because of my cousin, like that was so powerful to me to, to be in that. I think it's a... When you can live that way, I think there's a lot of beauty and um, fulfillment in it. Yeah, so. most definitely. Yeah, there's, it's literally the most important thing I'm doing is what I'm doing right now with you. Right? That's it. All I have is what I'm doing with you right now. That's all that exists yeah. to me right now. Yeah, no, I feel that. And I feel like that's the power. Like when I was on your show, like you are very present in, and I, I, value, I value what that brings to people. And that's yeah. part of why I wanted to do this with you and talk about like that business as unusual. Like, yeah, we we are living in difficult times. There's a lot of of chaos and change, and and that brings with it opportunity. And and for me, that's a place I want to focus. There, I've run into so many different people who are committed to using this opportunity to participate in creating changes that they believe will enhance connection or you know, fitness or yeah. community health and, and, and building businesses that are also about including the, the well, the well-being of the employees. And I'm, and I'm like, let's, let's try and highlight that as well as the, the chaotic and upsetting things, not to diminish them or be overly Pollyanna. And also to say, we, we need to know what we're trying to build the positive. What, what does an inclusive society look like? What is an economic model that actually works for everyone look like? How do we create healthy societies and communities as opposed to, I don't like what that guy's doing. Like that doesn't get us anywhere. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing what that guy's doing is certainly one option. Yeah. How do we create something? Let's do that. Who, who's doing it? I want to talk to those people and I want to get their words out there. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I've always kind of jived with what you're about, Isla. I mean, you, I love kind of the whole kind of this atmosphere that you live in and, and how you look at different things from different points of view. And uh, I, I, I try to be very similar with that, which is why I feel like I try to have this other point of view about fitness. Like I don't mm -hmm. consider myself a fitness person. Like maybe no. I'm all crazy about that. But I like I don't want to be considered a fitness person. Like I want to be considered someone who is well-rounded uh, and has partaked in a lot of different things in life. I don't want to be pigeonholed into like this game of fitness. Like there's a lot of other things I like to do, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in my life. And so I don't. The fitness person is not who I am. I, you know, I I never want to be defined by that because that's not the essence of who I am as a human being. That mm -hmm. should not be defining me. What should be defining me is my faith and spirituality, how I treat other people, uh, the connection I have with important people in my life and with strangers. That's who mm -hmm. I am. Fitness is something I do, but it should never be 
who I am uh, for that. And so I want to be an example of that for other people. And I want to be realistic. I think sometimes we're just not realistic in life. You know, we want things to be a certain way so bad. It's like we want people to be, a lot of my colleagues want people to be in great condition and they're going to save the world and they're going to make all these people incredibly fit. And I, I'm like the other side of it. I'm like, I'm not sure that's the thing. I really don't think that's the thing. I think people are going to do what they want to do with their bodies. They're going, even if you tell them to the blue in the face, why aren't you exercising? It's not going to make them do it. Right. <laughs> like either they're going to or not. And some people are going to want to take that step. And also that some people come to that step later in life. I have plenty of clients who in their 20s would have never thought they would have had a personal trainer, but they're 50 and now they love it. It just mm-hmm. takes time sometimes. And some people never do it. It is what it is. You got to work with people that uh, have an idea that they want to do this. Got to be their idea, not your idea. And yes, <laughs> it has to be their idea. It cannot be your idea. And unfortunately, we're in such a large society where we really can't influence the large mass of 360 million people at this point. We just can't do it. If we were a country of 300,000, maybe a little different. That's different. Yeah. But when you reach a certain point of, of kind of this grandiose largeness, it's very difficult to have a common theme of like, hey, yeah. we're going to get most of America in shape. I, I just don't believe that's possible. I, I know that sounds negative, but I just don't believe it. I mean, I, I think I hear what you're saying. I think having it goes back a little bit to what I heard you say earlier of you have to have definitions and goals. And mm-hmm. if you have a goal that doesn't match with observed reality, then it can be harder to observe reality. OK, that's what I'm seeing. And uh, and so, yeah, like if you're if you're like, I have been around a lot of people and I, I've seen consistently like. I can beat my head against the wall of trying to make other people be somewhere super not successful most of the time, mm-hmm. or I can accept where they're at and meet them and just continue to do my, to live my best life and hopefully help and support the people that are, are able to connect with, with how I can show up or what the possibilities are. No, yeah. I agree. I don't think we're going to see uh, a much, like you said, like 360 million people. It's a lot, you know? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, um, one of the other things I was I was hope uh, wanting to talk about a little bit is you started this uh, community. It's health focused, mm-hmm. but it's also a little bit, from what I understand, antidote to um, social media. Uh, not yeah. not for everyone, but for folks that are fitness focused. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your goals there, what you're hopeful yeah. of, or who and who yeah. should participate? Right, like if someone was like, "Wow, I want to get involved," is this a good way for them to get involved with what you're up to? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, it's continuing to evolve, and we're very happy with where it's going. Um, it's generally for anybody who is into wellness. I mean, you don't have to be a professional or anything like that. If you, and if you want to try to start attacking these different areas of what it means to be well, this is mm-hmm. a good starting place because one, you're going to get a very kind group of people who are going to be there for you and encourage you and support you. You're not going to have algorithms or recommendations. It's actually how social media used to be, you know, back in the mm-hmm. day when you just looked up <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't creeping on you and like, hey, how about this now? You know, or random sites for shopping. You're like, well, I didn't ask for that, you know, type of thing. It's it's a private membership-based site. But I, I think it grew out of, for me, the frustration of the online environment where it currently is. And I was listening to a podcast about this the other day because I feel like we all have like this collective exhaustion of social mm-hmm. media. I, I, you know, obviously, this is purely my opinion, but just my anecdotally and talking to people, there's there's a collective exhaustion, but also a collective desire to stay on it because people believe this is how you grow your business, and mm-hmm. this, you have, like almost like you're 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 indentured to it. Well, I don't want to mm-hmm. do. But now I'm in this indentured servant to social media because isn't this how you make money? Isn't this how you grow your brand? And I think we need to get out of that mindset. We we need to, because people say, oh, big tech and this stuff. Well, you control big tech. Your usage controls big tech. And if you keep using it at this voracious rate, you're actually the problem. You're using the product over and Mm -hmm. over again. And they go, thank you. And we're yep. going to keep doing this type of thing. It's mm-hmm. like anything. If you, if a bunch of people stopped 
shopping at Whole Foods. It's like, let's say, make believe, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of people said, I'm no longer shopping at Whole Foods. It's like, just people stop going. They wouldn't be in business. <laughs> like, the people actually have a lot of power. But if you say to yourself things like, well, I can only meet people online. Really? I mean, is, is that true? Okay, coming out of a time where we're going to be able to, people are now meeting with each other a lot. Yeah, it maybe is more effort to go up to somebody and speak to them in person, but it's not true that you can't create a beautiful community without on without social media. In fact, I'll give you a good example. So this morning, uh, I don't usually work on uh, Mondays until the evening time. I spent all morning calling gyms, emailing my colleagues here in Washington State just to say, I want to spend some time with you. I would love mm -hmm. to just sit down and see how I can be supported. Let's have meetings and stuff like that. I use the internet to find information about them, but I wasn't on social media at all mm -hmm. to do this stuff. There's yeah. a way to have success in life without this. And maybe you love it and that's fine. You keep doing it, but it's it. you can't complain about it completely if you're the one actually, part. you're part of it. You're, you're consuming. It's the consumption rate that keeps driving these companies. And well, so you have to figure out a way to not always be on it, you know? Well, and I'm going to speak to what you were talking about real quickly, because it's actually something I do consulting for small businesses. And I often run into this particular conversation around how does social media fit with most of the people that I work with? Often they're very exhausted by using it, right? Because, yeah. and they, and one of the things that many of the sites have done is convince uh, so there's a couple of things that I, I have strong feelings about after my experiences of analyzing these trends is one, if you're not paying for it directly with your own dollars, mm -hmm. you're a product, not a consumer. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important thing to understand because as a product, you have no direct control. So if you build that platform, i.e., produce content and engage yourself in building up your followers. What you are doing is building their platform because you are the product. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're paying for it, you are part of their, you're a consumer and they have an interest in meeting the goals that you, you participate in that platform for. So like I, I will like, I put LinkedIn more in the, you're a consumer because you, yeah. you don't have to pay for it, but you can. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know enough about their full on business model, but like for the most part, I felt like they, they stay in their lane of what they, they said they would do. Right. And then play, things like Facebook. I love Twitter, but they're in that group too. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're a product for, for mm -hmm. Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, like, all, you know, and, and so that's a distinction that people need to understand is if you're a product, you, well, like you said, you have a certain amount of power in that, like you could not, you know, buy the ads and stuff. They actually don't really care what you want. Exactly. <laughs> they care that you come on and click a link. If, and so I feel like, and that's one piece of it. So I, I strongly like the, the folks that I work with, I strongly discourage them from doing anything that requires them to build someone else's platform. Mm -hmm. Like you should be, you, if you build your email list, Join something like Fem, that your health and well wellness related, that where you're paying to be part of mm -hmm. it, so you actually know what the real cost is. Exactly. <laughs> As opposed to this, this because the truth is these other things aren't free, right? Like we've seen the ways in which they cost our society, but they also they recently with Facebook, the whistleblower made it clear something we all knew anecdotally, but now it's been proven that they absolutely privilege aggressive um, content because it gets more engagement. Yeah. And so it's like, well, it's great. <laughs> but that, you know, it's not surprising because that's just how that's how our model is set up. We incentivize that kind of behavior. Um, but yeah, so what you're talking about, like that, no, you don't need social media to and it, and especially you should, for example, like I said, I love Twitter. I have a lot of fun on it, but I also know how to navigate it to stay in a, in a fairly positive place on it. Yeah. And I don't care about my followers. Like when I look at my stats there, it's how many profile visits do I have mm -hmm. and how many folks are engaging with me. And I never try to like build that because if you're trying to build your followers on any of these platforms, what you are doing is building the platform for them. And if they decide to change anything about how they do business, you're just that's you're dealing you're dealing with it. And we've seen yeah. it happen in multiple. We've seen it happen in book publishing apps. We've seen it happen with YouTube. We've seen it happen with Facebook, like businesses that built themselves up using the platform 
and then they changed their they changed their way of doing business and these people lost so much or they lost access because they aren't paying for it. it's not actually their yeah. product um yeah. so it's like that's why when you were talking about this i was like wow you know you're doing this this is such a great idea and i think it's the way to go i think we i think personally like having a an online digital place like i use facebook to keep track of old friends but i don't really get on it anymore because i find no. that i'm much happier when i don't <laughs> of course you are of course you, you know? are but you know what the hard thing is is like there's this inertia that humans have it's hard to move people off things that they're that is like Mm-hmm. It's like in them. So like you can talk to so many people and they can tell you they, they hate Facebook, but they haven't gotten off of it. Yeah. You know, like how many things do you hate that you keep in your life? Like if you mm-hmm. truly hate something, don't you get rid of it? You're like, I can't, I need to get this evil out of my life. This is bad. But sometimes we get this weird relationship with hate. We're like, we may hate something, but we keep inviting it into our life all over and over again. Like if it's that toxic for you, you can find other ways to stay in touch with people. You really mm-hmm. can. You can exist. And I feel for the younger people because like they haven't known a life without this. And yeah, but the people like my age and your age, you know, a life without this, you know how to do this. You mm-hmm. know how to do this. You can use your phone for actually calling people. <laughs> like, no, you can. You, you really can. Pick it up and talk to people. You can <laughs> talk to people. I refer you a few years ago, one of my friends called me and I was in a big texting phase. Like I totally had gotten into it. And I was like, why is she calling me? Is it an emergency? And I was like, I pick up, she's like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I just wanted to say hi. I'm like, uh, oh, right. People do that. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, you can do it. You can all do it. You have people's phone numbers. We can go back. But I just wanted to be someone who was like, I'm going to put I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to get off all these things. I'm going to create something else. And I would say, in all honesty, it's it's definitely a hard thing to do because when you present something like what we're doing with FEM and you tell people it costs money, it immediately turns them off because they think I'm doing these other things for free. And I'm like, no, you're not. But they don't <laughs> see it that way. They just think I just go in and I say whatever I want, blah, blah, blah. So we're, I think our biggest uphill battle is just trying to find people who see the value and, yeah. and go, wait a minute, the light bulb goes on. Oh, wait a minute. This is better for me. And you know, if you, if you pay for something, you're going to pay different attention to it, but you got to mm-hmm. be willing to take a risk, which is why we always offer a free month for people to try it out. And now you don't lose anything by trying it for a month. You literally can just be like, I'll try this for a month. If you think it sucks, no big deal. You just leave. Mm-hmm type of thing where it's not something like let's get you in my clutches and then you just keep paying every month oh so evil no Mm -hmm. we tell you on the site there's a video tutorial that tells you how to delete your account specifically like there's no tricks press this button you can be done we don't want you here if you don't want to be here but you got to give it a chance if you want to have a different experience don't say you're exhausted by something and when somebody presents you a different opportunity you go well you know I've just been on there a long time. I got all these other people that are following me and stuff. I'm like, take a chance, have some courage. You, your life will go on without these things. It will, yeah. it will go on. Yeah. And that's great. Um, it, and maybe this is what you're saying, but like, what's your best advice that you either received or have given or comes to you in this moment? Uh, best advice is to always be nice to people. <laughs> always be nice. Yeah. yeah like I, even in your, in all of my years in my work in my personal life, <clears throat> always be nice. Even when you have a difficult conversation, if it's done in a way that is even nice or just constructive, it, the blow lands less heavy when you do it that yeah. way. It doesn't mean you, you're not angry and stuff, but you can, you can be nice about things. You know, if somebody bothers you, you can say, you know, that really, that really hurt my feelings. It bothered me. Um, maybe it was a mistake, maybe it wasn't, but I just want to let you know, like it bothered me versus like, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Why did you push me? Which reaction is going to be better? Yeah. You know, like people have a hard time when they get in the presence of someone and they're nice with them. It breaks down the walls for them. Mm-hmm. They have a much more difficult time being hateful to someone that is nice to them. Yeah. And listen, if you're just mean to people who are nice to you, you're probably evil. 
at that point. I mean, it's like, it's because it's very <laughs> difficult to be nasty to someone who's directly nice to you over and over again. You guys yeah. a serious issue if that's the case. But generally in my life, I've seen that when you're nice to people and you smile at people, they're nice back to you. Uh, this, this world of like all this divisiveness and these arguing, of course, people are arguing. They're shouting at each other. What's peaceful about yeah. that? <laughs> like if two people shout at each other, it's a guarantee it's going to be drama. Guarantee. Yeah. You know, so I always think just just be nice to people and be a good example of sanity to other people. Mm-hmm. Like be a good example of like even keeled, uh, moderate uh, ideas. Like you don't have to live in this world of extremism. I know right. it's popular right now, but the place you want to be is in a very moderate mindset where you can see maybe both sides of the things and look at it and go, okay, there's some, maybe some merit in this idea. The delivery is probably not the best, but I understand what you're trying to do for that. You know? Yeah. That That's great. Actually. I think then, especially timely, I would say, because <laughs> yeah. there's so much going on that feels, it's very easy to get reactive and worked up. And yeah. so, a good reminder. Which is why I never get in comments online with people. You know, when people have like these, they get into these big spats online with people mm-hmm. and they write back all these crazy things. I'm like, honestly, you should, you should never do that. You should never mm-hmm. lower yourself to these ridiculous conversations. Even if you feel so passionate, the point is your emotions are going to get going and you're just creating drama for that. You know what you say? You know, I have a different opinion about this. Can we get on a phone call? and discuss this. Again, I want someone closer to me so they can see me or video and they can feel my emotion and we can have a a civilized conversation. But I think it's pointless to be commenting on all this stuff and getting in crazy war of words. Like it's anybody that I know that's been really successful in life has never done anything like that ever. Like they don't even give it a thought to go on message boards and, and comment and be like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You know, it's like, I, I don't, I see there's a very poor quality, like avoid it. Yeah. No, I think that's good advice. It, it just amps you up. Well, and you know, they've shown repeatedly that the, it, it does make a difference. Like if I am, if I'm in a space and I'm talking to you, I'm much more likely to, to think about you, right. Yeah. As a person. Whereas if you are, if it's words on a screen, I may not be thinking about that. So something I would never say to a human in my world, I might, <laughs> hype at you <laughs> and and it's a it's an understandable disconnection but it doesn't lead to you know the early days of the internet there was this hope like more interaction would create more engagement and there are places <laughs> where it does happen but yeah. it like you said like there's this this other piece yeah um what's the best way if somebody wants to get connected to you or know what's up with you or get involved uh your website the femme community i would say um a uh, good old fashioned email is very yeah. easy for Darian Parker at gmail.com is an easy way to contact me. I, I'm on my email quite a bit. I respond to it. Um, LinkedIn's a great place. I'm on there. It's the only media that I use online at this mm-hmm. point, um, primarily. And so, you know, I, I post things about my podcast and stuff. Checking out my podcast is another good way. If you like, you want to get a feel for me, podcast is a great way for that because I'm, always um, posting uh, a discussion I had on my podcast every single week at like 429 episodes. So plenty of content to listen yeah. to and to learn a little bit yeah. more about me. Uh, DrDarianParker.com. My podcast is on there and all major platforms, but I'm easy to get in touch with. And I think one yeah. of the things for me is I pride myself on getting back to people. I will never leave you hanging. I will never ghost you ever. You deserve better than that respecting your time is important. If somebody reaches out to me and, and actually spends the time, because I know it's hard to reach out to people. You're fearful of, oh, they're going to ghost me or they're going to reject me. No matter what it is, even on LinkedIn where people constantly send me weird MLM stuff <laughs> and all these crazy, crazy business ideas, no matter how crazy it is, I always get back to them and say, I appreciate you contacting me. I don't have an interest but I want to respect the effort and time you put into this for that. So yeah. that's important to me. I, I value that. I really appreciate that 
as a commitment in the world. I think that's a powerful thing to do, actually, to show up and say, hey, I see you. It's not for me. I know that. And I still see you. Like, yeah, I think it's those little and that's actually a lot of effort. I, I'm not going to try to dismiss that, but it's those little moments where you can really see a difference in the world. Like if, if you commit to certain things like that, it, it can really make um, over time. It, I don't know. I'm, I'm all about incremental change. I think it lasts yeah. longer. Um, yeah, most and that's one of those things that feels like that incremental change. Was there anything else that uh, you want to share before we say thanks for joining us? No, I think that's it. Uh, what a great conversation. I, so I, I appreciate you greatly and I love what you're doing. And thanks for asking me to be on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I used to love, I like same. And I love the way that you bring so much to the table. Um, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to, I'm going to have, uh, I'll put this up here so people can see uh, Maria Belasco on. She is the CEO and founder of Beyond Inclusion. Uh, I met her several years ago when we were both doing trainings in Boulder County and just learned so much from her back then. I'm excited to see what I'll, we'll learn from her in two weeks. <laughs> uh, awesome. So thank you all for being here today and we'll see you in a couple weeks.